is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue podcast. Hey, Chelsea fans! Uh, you're not used to hearing old Nick at the beginning of a pod, but um, yeah, we recorded a, a normal podcast. Woke up on a Sunday like we we normally do. Got stuck into each one of our individual studios. Recorded what we think you're going to like is a podcast because it was a. You know, there's a lot of conversation about about Grand Potter and the choices that the Chelsea hierarchy have essentially to uh, move forward uh, in the most pragmatic manner. And then about two hours after we had recorded that, um, we got word that Chelsea sat Grand Potter. And so we're also doing an additional special um, that will, uh, you know, be an emergency pod about that and what, what comes next as well. But we're publishing this one anyway, one, because we did it and we think there's some good discussion in there, but, uh, two, because, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's important to kind of have as a historical log for, for where we've been. This is how quickly things move at Chelsea football club. So without further ado, we'll get into the pod. Just note, this was recorded before the grand Potter news. We are also recording an emergency pod after for, for Monday and, uh, yeah, it doesn't stop. So cheers guys. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon Drew, my host, Nick and Dan, and gentlemen, Aston Villa match review time. That is right. Uh, what a weekend uh, when you are the only team that doesn't score on the Saturday docket, Nick. You do chores. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I told in the, in the WhatsApp group with our with our London trip group that I was just kind of cleaning my apartment yesterday because it was. It was tough to watch. And frankly, I got a lot done. Um, you know, it's a 90-minute match. There's a lot you can do from a cleaning perspective. So I felt pretty good about that, Dan. And, you know, mission accomplished checklist. Boom. Some might say you were cleaning house. Oh, no. Oh, no. He did it. <laughs> I feel I like we're it. a lot more sensitive to his crummy puns since, like, we were recording at the Stamford Bridge <laughs> and, the, and the sprinklers were on. For whatever reason, I feel like it really shined a lot of light on you, Dan. It's a it's a good point though, Brandon. Uh, if you missed it because you tune out during international break weeks, which is frankly understandable with all this, the football that's going on, we have a whole series of episode one thousand episodes 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 uh, that we can uh, put in your earballs. We got we got it live from Stanford Bridge. We got a little David Barnard, uh, Chelsea executive, and a little Zhao Felix. So there's a lot to do from last week. Go listen to those episodes. Let us People know. are loving the David Barnard interview, too. Ooh, I've yeah. gotten a lot of comments back about that one. Just the transfer stories, the evolution of transferring, as well as the transition from paper documents to DocuSign. There's been a lot of conversation afterwards, Brandon. And I've appreciated hearing back from listeners and supporters who've said so many nice things after we've dropped those episodes. Yeah, the pursuit of Oreo Romeo was wild across multiple continents, multiple countries, potential kidnappings. Uh, got it done all for the Spanish holding mid. Um, yeah, I think that one surprised everybody. Uh, David does not do interviews really at all. No. Sits on the board, is director of football operations. Uh, he's been at the club for over two decades, has literally seen it all. So um, Joao was a good time as well. Those are tough. You know, the players... They're, they're in and out. We got to try to build rapport quickly, Nick. It's not the easiest thing, but I felt like we had a pretty good conversation with someone who English is probably his third language. <laughs> yeah, he he had this quote in our interview uh, about Diego Costa that he has a good heart and a crazy head. And I think like if you were to describe Diego Costa, that is the perfect way to describe that human being. 
Uh, no, Joao is is fantastic and like super nice. You know, very down to earth. I think a lot of Chelsea fans will, will really like that he is uh, angling to stay. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, look, this series was huge for us. We we put a lot of extra time and care into producing it, and are super grateful to the club for granting us some incredible access during that time. And so we we do hope you go listen to it. Episode one thousand is is a crazy milestone for us to get to, and all of the nice notes that came pouring in, whether it be in our in our, our uh, Monday episode or, or throughout the week, have just been uh, a huge boost to us. So thank you for for everything. All right. And then obviously, last but not least, uh, shout out to Lee for letting us uh, record with him in his office uh, pitch side at Sanford Bridge. So a lot of big variety of stuff, huge, huge friends that we love to hang out with. So uh, obviously, we're talking about the Villa match review. Um, it was tough. Uh, so we're going to try to break down the macro picture. Uh, we'll talk about the result. Uh, there were a couple good performers in there. And then obviously, a lot of discussion around Scram Potter. Can't can't dance around it, right? So we got to give our perspective, uh, ask some hopefully questions, and just, again, center on having the conversation uh, because the results haven't been good enough. I think everybody knows that. So we'll try to make sense of uh, what has happened and, and what's going to happen next. So Dan, temp check, uh, three-word match review, probably uh, the bleep button going to be ready. I hope you did some censoring for us. There was some filtering. Look, I would say that a vast majority were some combination of Graham Potter and the word uh, sack, out, fire. And uh, I'm just collecting all those as one because that was a very popular if we were match review. So apologies if your name is not read individually, but there were a lot of you. For those who opted to go a different route and try a unique response, uh, you're rewarded for your bravery. Julian G with the please come back. I think they're asking us to come back to London to try to bring back some positive vibes. And look, if we had some more PTO time, I think we would. Look. It's a small investment, Todd, to, to get the crew back, okay? You, we can you're call already, it an internship. Look, we, work, study, whatever you want to call it. When we're there, wins happen. So do, do the math, man. MC with another weekend spoiled. Drew Parsons with the only giving us two words. He said if we play better next week, he'll give us a third, but blunt knives. You had five takes with the top spin mid-table. Kurt or with the still not safe, and they're hinting that that is from relegation. <laughs> Iron Beagle with the gif of we suck. Again, we suck. Uh, along with Milhouse and the definition of insanity. And Brad with the getting high helps? Question mark. There's a lot of conversation about edibles in the Discord yesterday during the game. I was, you know, I haven't, I haven't been in there as much. And so I was kind of just lurking along the side going... What, what, what do you got going on here? <laughs> what, what's going on? So they, they look, um, they're like, Dad, Dad, is that you? Brad, well, let me know. Everyone put is, them away, please. If this is a God. subculture in our Discord I wasn't aware of. Um, and let me know if it helped, I guess, as well. I think a lot of people yeah. are looking for solutions to these problems. Some people clean. Some people enjoy other yeah, things. Little, little Eddie, why not? A little All from right. column A, a little from column W. <laughs> Very opposite. Uh, I went results over stats uh, because I started out defending. Look at the stats. We're on it. At the end of the day, give up that second goal. I I flipped the switch. It all it just, results. I need to see results right now. I've been talking about it. It don't care about your stats, Graham. I want to see the three points. Nick, what about you? Force field around goal. It's a big problem. We can't, we can't score. It's for, First of all, it's unfair that we have to play with this and no one else does. Um so rules committee, we're going to look into that. But yeah, boy, it's bleak. 
bleak and front of gold. All right, Dan. Chelsea, April's Fools. <laughs> oh, oh, Dan. Starting off the month strong one day in and just bam. Yeah, I mean, I think the April Fools one was 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 low fruit that he picked, uh, but he crafted it well. Uh, before we get into it, just a huge shout out to Jesse and Kevin joining us on Patreon, aka Discord. Get in, join the family. Apple Podcast from David H. Austin E. The Grick, who we know quite well. Uh, your bro Joe Crow XFSRG Fisker to Martin Eric keep the blue flag flying high and Parker Monkey. Uh, from the U.S. and U.K., appreciate you all. Honestly, it amplifies the visibility in the Apple Podcast Store, so we really, really do appreciate it. Same thing with Spotify. That's a whole new app. You're in Apple. Guess what? Just You probably listen to Spotify for music. Go drop the five stars there. We'd appreciate it. You don't even have to write anything. It's way easier. Um, Just click and done. Yeah, super, super easy. So, anyways, uh, match details time. It was Aston Villa this past Saturday, the 1st of April, the Fool's Day, as Dan noted, in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge. In case you missed it, good for you. Chelsea nil, Aston Villa 2. Goals coming from Watkins in the 18th and McGinn in the 56th minute. So, before we get into it, we are going to kick it over to the Fist Stand app to run it back. Let us know how it went. Uh, so, thank you to the club for allowing us to use this. We appreciate it. If you haven't already, download the Fist Stand app, the only official app from Chelsea FC. Here we go. Hey everyone, uh, we do love the Fist Stand app, but unfortunately they put out a much bigger announcement today in that our our manager, Grand Potter, was fired. So I don't really think anybody cares about these highlights as much as that, and uh, that's the next pod coming out later, uh, you know, probably like eight hours after you listen to this one or less. So really just, we're just going to phone this one in, we're going to, we're going to be snappy. I will say this one is very worth listening to. There's some really funny moments where... There's some foreshadowing from the guys who had no idea when they recorded this what news was going to break. So we'll finish this one up. Uh, Turns out it doesn't sound better the second time through, Dan. So line up. Let us know what the Tinkerman led with. Look, it was Keparitha Blaga between the sticks, I guess. Reese James, Kaldu Kulabali, and Mark Kukreya as a back three. Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Manchuo as wingbacks. Yes, that's correct. They were both playing as wingbacks uh, for at least part of the game. Mateo Kovacic and Enzo Fernandez in the middle. And then the attack included Kai Havertz, Joao Felix, and Mikhailo Mudrik. And we saw Conor Gallagher and Golo Kante. That's right, and Golo Kante back fit, which is probably the best thing in the entire 90 minutes of that game with Matueke and Christian Pulisic all coming in. So only four of the five subs used. Uh, Chuck Wameka, Mount, Betty Shiel, Chalaba did not make an appearance. Obviously, Bettinelli was not going to come in. But uh, congrats for him for another three years because he's the perfect backup goalkeeper. So Perfect congrats. backup goalkeeper. Checks congrats, a lot Betts. of boxes. Yep. Uh, good for Betts. Um, uh, top line stats, guys. Uh I, I, I lost your breath a little this bit. It's gonna be a recurring you? theme. Take his breath away. <laughs> Guys, we had 69% possession. We had 27 shots. Eight of those on target, a little under yeah. one out of three. 15 off target, four blocked. We had 13 corner kicks. Um, we had three cautions apiece. We had three big chances, and you know it. We missed all three. We hit the woodwork. We had 19 shots inside the box all with eight outside the box we had no goalkeeper saves that's right they had two shots on goal and they both went in mm-hmm. they had seven goalkeeper saves that shit house emmy martinez to you ladies and gentlemen um 
I the, the stats are overwhelming. I mean, we had 600 passes, they're 285, over double. All right, just did, we had 91% accurate passes. They had 75%. There's no way you split this. Like, it was stat line after stat line. If you got a point, Dan, and, like, whoever won the stats column at the end, like, we would have had about an extra 5 to 10 points from this one. Like a point in hockey if you're able to get to overtime, something yeah. of that nature. Like, yeah. the fact that we had 27 shots to their 5, Eight shots on target to their two, <laughs> 15 shots off target to their three, and then four block shots to no block shots for them, as well as they had two big chances and only one big chance missed is just, I don't know. That is absolutely ludicrous, Nick. I just don't it, it, make it make sense because it doesn't make sense. Well, it's a part of the larger discussion, obviously, because that's Graham's go-to post-match of recent. You guys know how big into stats I am, typically. Huge stat guy. Love stats. Um, you should change your especially, handle. Especially XG. Um, I love that we had a 2.16 XG to their 0.92, and yet uh, those are flipped. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it, guys, but with 27 shots, which is, I think, by most Premier League standards, a like probably in the top 5% of like shots that you can like physically create in a match. Like city regularly do this. Liverpool did it in their pomp, but like 27 shots, a fuck ton of shots. If you think about just the average possession, moving the ball down the field to get a shot off every three minutes. (laughs) So, I mean, it's a lot, eight of them on target. That's not really where you want to be, but there was a shot for a penalty not given. Of course, it was never going to be given. Just the circumstances demand that. And there there was the disallowed goal from Chilwell in there for the push on Kanza. Outside of that, it never really looked like we were going to score. And I think that this is where when I when I say that I do the eye test, this is where that stat box is misleading to me. So I did post the XG and friend of the pod, Dimitri, was very gracious to break it down. Uh, quite a bit of that was offset pieces. 0.35 was from Mudrick's one-on-one miss. Um, mm-hmm. And so you can kind of claw some of that back. And he was saying that outside of the Mudrick one-on-one, uh, the one where he was inside the box and shot, not the one that he shot early, um, yeah. and the set pieces, that there actually wasn't a lot from open play. Um, which is, again, why he's a big brain, and we go to him and McLaughbot to figure out what goes on. So uh, that kind of does back up the narrative because at the surface level, you're like, oh, blew it out of the water. You take a couple steps down. It's a little less cut and dry. Have we have we not suggested calling this potbot? Again, I think uh, <laughs> might wow. not have a long-standing uh, name. So, uh, And I'm like, the one who gets attacked for puns. And I'm the one. Mine fucking rhymes, at least. (laughs) So uh, this is one of the most, um, how would I put this, like cannibalistic random stats. Uh, Chelsea have only (laughs) beaten one team currently in the top half of the Premier League table this season is Aston Villa. And by the way, Aston Villa are only in the top half because they've just beaten Chelsea. So we kind of propped ourselves up with this stat. And it's bad no matter how you slice it. And and Villa... We're not even topping the top six, the top half. Villa were in the bottom three for a bit. 
at the start of the season. They, got a they are now on a 11-match unbeaten streak in the league due to Unai Emery's tactics and the way he sets up his team. Look, I think if you watched that game yesterday, Villa are not very good. Like, they are a shithouse team. And, and like, respect, by the way. You, you, you do, you're doing a job. This is not a condemnation of that. I wish we played a little bit more like that, frankly. But they're not a great team at all. Like, th- that's a very beatable team. And we came nowhere close to beating them at all. It was it was a it was a lesson in using the resources that you have for the best results possible. And, you know, that's what he's doing and it's working. Yeah, I'm looking at the table, guys. We're talking Fulham, Brentford, Brighton. Mm -hmm. Like those are the teams in the top half. And we probably split results with teams like Wolves and, and West Ham and other things like that. Just don't make it any better. So. Um, did you have an Ed Pet shithouse moment of the match? Nope. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take our ad break. When we get back, we're going to jump in to try and make sense of what happened uh, and look at uh, some of the things that happened throughout the game. So thank the sponsors for financially supporting the show, and we'll be right back. Are you missing out on your favorite shows because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce you to NordVPN. If you're bored of the U.S. Netflix, why not just take it for a spin in the U.K.? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you. With 5,000 plus servers, no show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue. You can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan with one month free. We all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's literally no risk to you with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue a refund, and you can pretend the entire situation never happened. Check it out. My link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue to get your subscription started today. All right. Well, uh, lineup time. I, I saw a lot of Mudrick prop uh, before the game. I've, a lot of people, Dan, were like, I feel like, and this was before the lineup even came out. There's like, I feel like this is just a good one for Mudrick. Uh, he had a good international break. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, well, I mean, he he's no. playing some big teams. You know, when I say good, he had an international. I mean, break. he didn't get yeah. hurt, right? And played some minutes. That's what we okay. consider a good international break at Chelsea. <laughs> your your definition of good international break would not be the definition I think a player would use in terms of good international break. And so context within Chelsea, we're talking no injuries, uh, some minutes. Yeah, we're so used to Deshaun fucking <laughs> us with our with the player injuries. So everybody yeah. came home. I'm happy, Dan. So that's what we call a good break. Uh, anyways, I think there's a lot of like positive thoughts, momentum with him. Potter's talked about, Hey, they're giving him some time to adjust. They want to put him in the, the firing line. Again, Villa seems like a good team to try to exploit. And, uh, he obviously played a much bigger role than I think anybody would have, uh, expected. And, um, the, the two misses are unfortunately what everyone's going to remember him for. Oh, playing him centrally was super weird too. Like having him run in further forward and having him be at times the focal point of the attack was really bizarre. Like, yes, it's great that someone was getting into the box. I mean, this was a game where 
uh, it seemed like everybody had a chance to get into the box if they wanted, considering that uh, we, we, we did have a few number of shots from inside the box. 19 out of the total of 27 did come from inside the box, which, you know, is, is, a, is a nice thing if you can get them on target. Uh, it is not a good thing if you can't. I don't know. It was just, it was a weird, it felt like after the international break he had, I didn't necessarily expect him to start. And so maybe that was my question. I mean, Matueke had a pretty bright performance for the England U21 team. And I felt like he was going to be the guy who was going to get a start after going and balling out for the, for country. And like, that was, so that was a weird one to me, Nick, because I was like, you know, Yes, I could see Bizzer getting getting minutes, and maybe as like the substitute to minute sixty through minute ninety when you're a little tired, just let him roadrunner and create some opportunities. But I'm that, that was that was surprising to me to not see Matuweke get an opportunity to start. I felt like he was probably in a better position to to have earned that from an international responsibility. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, I think. My my stance on Mudrik is that right now, as of today, he is the most raw of our front options outside of Matueke. Both of them you know, kind of similarly aged, similarly experienced. But I don't think he's an automatic starter in the team. Um, and And that's not, by the way, this is like not me dragging him down. This is like a young player who has never played in the league before who if if it were me and I was trying to get a result and I had a full complement of options open to me would be like third on my list or fourth on my list to get into the team to start a match and I and I don't want that to come off as like wow he's a bad player or wow I'm not excited about him because I think he showed flashes yesterday of what he can do but I would start Sterling I would start Pulisic and I would I would look at like what the other options are for him. Um, I, I I disagree that he was like the most forward option yesterday. I actually thought he settled left wing and Brandon Nunes put the heat map in here. Uh, that kind of shows the combination of both. Um, but I, you know, again, I think he missed two sitters. Man, the first one's harder than the second one, admittedly, because it's a rebound and you have to really be on your game, but, or no, as a giveaway, sorry, they, they stole and, and have, you know, have slot it near post or far post. Sorry. But it's, it's just, those are shots that an, a 70 million pound signing should be making in their sleep. And he's not. Yeah. The price tag came out real quick on those, which is, is a little unlucky. Again, he's one for the future, kind of like a Matueke, a lot of other players. He hasn't had a lot of minutes. Right. And so, um, the first one, again, it kind of popped up on him. I'm like, all right, fine. I get it. You know, he did smash it and, and like, I mean, Martinez got big. He came out and got big. Like he did well. I think the second one where he had time, he had his pace and it just, he had no real power behind the shot and it just ended up being a comfortable save for, for Emmy Martinez was, was obviously tough for him. Um, I would say in his defense, there's times that we do not play the ball into space for him. Like my word. He's he's on the shoulder of the defender. Just put it in space. He is 98% of the time going to beat that defender to the ball and the goalkeeper. We didn't, so we're still kind of figuring that out. Nick, you kind of talked about this, and which we'll get into in a second. It's just more of like the in transition. We're constantly making the wrong decision, whether it's Kai, 
Joao, even Mudrik, which we talked about, and some other players. So um, he's going to come under the microscope, Mudrik. But again, like it, it, he, he didn't help himself, but like the team wasn't really clicking on his side either. So um, not a lot of minutes. It didn't help him today. So if we're trying to set him up for success, it, it wasn't it today. He was one of our lowest rated players uh, and um, got subbed out, understandably. Uh, no batty shield. Uh, we played with Kukurea as a left center back. You played with Ben Schill as a left wing back, which makes sense. I mean, I don't think we've seen Batty for a little bit, have we? Uh, yeah, he went from automatic starter to not being played in the Premier League now. I would say, like, we were there. We watched Kukurea great against Dortmund. He's had some solid performances. I think a lot of people were quick to, like, uh, use hindsight and, like, blast Potter for Kukurea starting. Nick, I... I think, like, one, you could say, okay, Batty Shield's a good player, but, like, Kukurea has been in good enough form that, like, I don't think people were surprised to see him even play that position. But the second he made the mistake that led to the goal, everyone's like, oh, yeah, that was stupid. And you're like, well, okay. I think that's a little bit of changing the 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 narrative a little bit. But, like... When we talk about players starting, we don't see training, okay? So this is our, this is our first second, third, 80 millionth time saying this. We don't understand if Batty Shield had a shit week in training or if this was just simply a tactical choice that Potter made or some combination thereof, right? Like, there there could be multiple factors. But if I'm playing against Ollie Watkins and I'm playing against a shithouse team, I want size in the back line because I know that they're dangerous from set pieces and I know they're dangerous on the counterattack. And I honestly think in a foot race that Batty Shield's faster than... Cougar is. So if that's the choice, Dan, like to me, it's a no brainer. Can I clarify real quick? Because I, I misspoke a little bit. So Batty shield played against Everton. Uh, Batty shield played over the international break. I don't believe, I believe Cougar was at Cobham the whole time. So Mm. maybe that could have been it. Cougar did play against Dortmund at the bridge. He played at Leicester, did not play at Everton and then played at Villa. So, I mean, there's, there were, yeah, he's made eight appearances so far. Uh, all except one of those uh, was a start, and you know he's been involved with only a single loss so far. That was the loss against Southampton. Every other result was either a draw or uh, one of the few wins that we've accumulated this season against Crystal Palace, Leeds, and Leicester City. So, I think it's more surprising in the fact that if you think Kukurea is going to be the person you want to protect for what comes in two weeks time effectively or less than two weeks time when we play in the champions league again, which are the two matches that, you know, the only two matches that matter for the rest of the season at this point, like you have to balance your squad and their fitness. And this to me, I think Nick nailed on the head is that like, why would you, go with a a smaller lineup when you know you're losing you don't have west starting you don't have chalba starting like you're losing a lot of height um for set pieces crosses um that you just really didn't make sense um i i looked at batishiel he had the great run in in end of january february um he had some really solid performances in the sevens uh then essentially he played southampton didn't play against spurs played leeds didn't play, he came out as a sub against Leicester uh, and didn't play. So they're kind of like on this every other type of rotation. But I think Nick, kind of what this gets us into, and, and we'll pause this, is, is like 
the the personnel decisions of Potter. So we'll we'll break that down in a second one, but like all of these things just feed that narrative and like the questions. Uh, but keeping it here on this game, again, Loftus Sheet going back to wing back, didn't look comfortable in it. Obviously, he's done well in that position before, but like just today wasn't the day. I here's my guess on Reese playing right center back. And I put this on Twitter and I think this is makes logical sense. We know Reese isn't 100 percent fit, but you want him on the field. So if you play him at right center back, he's still able to impact the game. Um, but he's not making those stretching runs up and down the sideline. You let Ruben do that for him, and you get him on the field, and he's probably a much lower risk of uh, of a muscle injury. That's my guess, but yeah, didn't work. No, didn't. Um, yeah, the the Reese conundrum is uh, is is tough. I think this has been probably the biggest miss throughout the season as a fully fit Reese James. Um, you know, we, we know what he can do when he's healthy because we saw that run in October where he was just everywhere doing everything all at once, right? I mean, this is a a world-class player who can't stay or get fit. Um, and playing him a right center back, as, we, as we've seen with, you know, under Tuchel, uh, this is not a new thing, but it's not a thing that's, like, incredibly effective. I don't think he... You know, and again, this is me loving Reese James. I don't, I don't think that's his best position. I, I do think Brandon that you're, you're right. It's like Reese's top end upside is is probably greater than Trev's when it comes to offensive contribution, even from back there. And so I think that was the logic to, you know, you don't have to run as much. You can be physical and you can still ping passes. The problem was that Ruben didn't have his best day at wing back. And I think there was a real discussion happening between them and Potter when they were on uh, the side that the manager was on about where spacing should be, where, you know, where the run should be Dan. And like, it just seemed like a mess. It seemed like the team was not ready to set up this way or to play this way. Yeah, there was that. And then just the subs all felt wonky too. I mean, if we think about things that maybe make sense or make you know less sense is that, you're trying to go win back a game and like N'Golo Conte playing further forward, (laughs) running into space was a little awkward. Um, Yes, you need to get him some minutes. So I think, you know, it was probably programmed that he was going to get, you know, the the time that he got, but then making changes and, you know, 10 minutes left down two goals to bring in Pulisic and Connor, you know, was there potentially an opportunity to do that earlier? Obviously, Matawake did come on for Mudrick later, but I mean, you had Mace. You had, you know, like, I mean, Mace is probably the only other one, like, from an attacking perspective, that you would have put on, and you don't bring him on to try to do something. You're playing Ben Chilwell in left center back. You're putting Polisic in as a wing back. It just really, none of the subs made, I would say, any sense or made as much sense as they could have well i'll i'll fight that a little bit so Mataweke came on for mudrick and golakanta came out for ruben ruben left immediately after the goal so all right made a change mudrick wasn't working we also said left wasn't working so and comes in changes the shape of the team a little bit but like those are at least po- scored too. positive subs now your point about connor coming in for kovacic in the 80th minute and christian for kagre in the 80th minute i for sure. Probably left it too late. I mean, you've been down 
two goals for 15 minutes. We didn't really see much of a tempo change, but like what he doesn't really have anyone else to pull from. Like when you've got Raheem Sterling out, you've got, I guess he's really the only attacker that's out, but like he put in everybody except Mason. And that's the one I think, especially when the damn Kovacic international break, the Croatia Kovacic versus the Chelsea Kovacic post international break is unfortunate. And he just was nowhere near where we saw him right before the international break. Enzo was again, the team was just really disjointed. So I don't think the subs are the problem. I just think it was the lack of cohesion and understanding to your point you chopped and changed too many people and putting them in knots in, in situations where they couldn't succeed. You saw Koulibaly go over the sideline and say, what formation are we playing? Nick, you said Reese James is going over saying like, this person's not there. Obviously, because no one is in their natural position. We didn't go to a back four. We stayed in a back five. And it just, there was too many changes and there was no cohesion. And that's the problem. But I think like he put on everyone he could minus Mason. It just yeah. was already too late, and at that point was not going to positively affect the game. But, like, he's only got so much he can pull from, and it just didn't come off again, which whether it's time or decision-making or not changing formation, it, the players on the field were completely disjointed and confused for the last 20 minutes, and I think that's the big problem. Not who came on, but how we were set up. Um, speaking of the the inability inability score up uh, to Joe saying 27 Chelsea had 27 shots without scoring against Aston Villa their most attempts in a Premier League match without finding the net since January 2014 against West Ham 39 shots zero goals that day blunt uh that is absolutely wild but I think we should kind of move on a little bit unless you guys want to touch anything else on the game other than saying Benjamin Chilwell was fantastic I feel yes. bad. Easily our best player. Feel bad that no one else could get anywhere close to him on the day. He was everywhere. He did everything. He scored. Uh, he drew a penalty. He was all over them. And the fact that nothing went off for him is absolutely an injustice. He earned it. Yeah, I, I think it's his disallowed goal is with all the other shit that happened in this game and, and Andy Madley was all-time horrific as a referee every single week we say this but this was especially bad Andy Madley ignores the trip right outside of the box where he's in on goal um but then disallows for a light shove in the air I, I think is just really bad it's just where we are though we're not getting those calls this year and you know and so you just kind of accept that but Showell was absolutely fantastic I think easily the class of the team and uh, I think this does bring for me before we talk about Potter. You have a bunch of really good players on this team. Not one of them can put the ball in the back of the net. Not one of them. 27 shots, eight on target. Not one of them can do a job. We're going to talk about Potter, but I mean, what what will not change if a, if a, another decision happens is that these players have to play a lot better across the board. I mean, I don't think that's going to be a shock to anybody. I don't think that's an overstatement or something crazy. I, that many shots, that many shots on target, not one goal. And this has been a consistent theme throughout the season. So we have a pretty large body of work to, to grade against. Uh, I don't know, man, it's tough. Statistically, it's probably got to be one of the most dominant games of the season, but yet, 
we were still deflated, Dan. Hit the woodwork, you know, but it's just this, I think, is the point that I had started my day defending on Twitter and abandoned it halfway through the second half. Was Abandon that, hope, all ye who enter here. I mean, look, <laughs> you, you're doing enough. The the pace, the momentum, things are going well. Joao was getting in good positions. Kai was getting in good positions. Even Mudrik, obviously. But, like, it, it's just either one too many touches or the wrong pass at the wrong moment, whatever it may be. But, like, nobody's clinical. Nobody's taking anything with confidence right now. And you would imagine this many goals at this – or this many shots at this level – Surely somebody could do something. Yeah. We got nothing. We got nothing. <laughs> In an audio format to get one word answers is tough, but it accurately and a uh, shrug. summarizes the situation. Shrug yeah. just doesn't uh, come across as well. Uh, all right. So, um, again, kudos to Conte. Came in, looked like his old self. Uh, Chilwell for absolutely bossing the game. Uh, but that's about it as far as the plaudits go. So obviously the conversation now shifts to Senor Potter. It has to. He's the head coach, manager, whatever. Um, he's had a lot of uh, uh, pressure and uh, hot temps around him already going into this. And there's no doubt about it. Uh, I think a lot of us, we, we're, we're really not one to call for anyone's head, right? I think we'll have the discussion about what's working, what's not. you know. But it's to the point now where everyone is talking about Potter and we have to, we have to ask some questions and like break down what is going on here. And since he's been with Chelsea, uh, he's played 22 games. He's won seven. He's drawn seven. He's lost eight. So we're now under 50%, you know, from win loss rate. Bottom half of the Premier league table. Yep. We scored 21. We've conceded 21. We're currently in 11th place. I know everyone's like, Oh, he was fifth when he took over. Sure. I get that. But there was always going to be change and kind of, some some frustration i don't know if we thought it is going to be this much right so obviously boldly when they announce it nick hey we want a, a unified approach at cobham the men the women the youth they don't talk to each other there's no data sharing we want a data-driven coach you know money ball we're baseball guys like this is our path forward potter's the guy we like he checks all of our boxes so now we get in this situation 10 games left, hasn't gone well. Bully's even been on camera saying it was a shit result against Everton. He's clearly not happy with some things are going. He's going to have to figure out what he's going to do because he's the only one that can make the decision in these situations. But um, the fans have really made their voice heard. It's to the point where they can't ignore it. People are leaving early. People, Some people probably aren't even going. Um, and there's nobody, I think, after this game that holds hope or positivity um just based on the results yeah i mean again like you you started this out we have been patient on this podcast we've preached patience on the podcast because you know again it's a whole new era we don't know what's going to happen you know this isn't you know been the same sort of experience obviously as we had over the past 23 years. And so I, I, I want to call that out because you wouldn't have seen this in our script very often this year. I think there have been inflection points where we've questioned what's going on, but we haven't come out and say like, Hey, here's how we feel one way or the other. I, I personally <clears throat> kind of reached my limit yesterday 
where I, I am now questioning like what the hell we're doing here. And it's because at no point in the second half did I think that we were going to string and come back together at no point really up leading up to this match. Was I excited to see us play based on the way that we played against Everton? And I think the broader point, Dan, is that everything since Potter has come in, no, knowing that I was trying my best to exercise caution and patience has felt really, really hard. Scoring goals has been hard. Not doing stupid errors has been hard. Press conferences have felt hard. The vibe around the team felt hard. Yes, we've had a couple of positive blips in there that I think have re-inspired some confidence. Yes, he said we're going to win the fucking Champions League, all that sort of stuff that was kind of a good clip. But it just doesn't feel good or easy or anything at this point. And that's a bit alarming to me. It also doesn't help when, if you're looking at it from like a relationship standpoint, uh, the ex went out and had a really good day. Yeah, had a really, oh, yeah. really good day. Unlucky, real <sighs> unlucky. This whole week, really. Yeah, Th- this yep. week, this week has not gone well in terms of I think you know crisis PR, as it were. Uh, there's a lot that just isn't flowing through in order to try to have a conversation to have a dialogue and say like, Hey, from a ownership perspective, from a coaching perspective, like here's what we're trying to do. Here's what our aspiration is for between now and the end of the season and into next season. Like it, it just, and that it, it's, it's actually very similar to Tuchel when we had absent manage, uh, like you know, club management, but Graham Potter's the face. And Graham Potter has to be able to communicate to supporters what it is that he wants to accomplish, what it is that we're trying to go out to do. And the same platitudes or replies on a week-in, week-out basis after results continue to not mesh against the expectations of being at Chelsea are showing that at least from an in-game management element and from a press management that he is not being equipped or does not have the you know the right ability to handle what has been transpiring. I think we've lucked into a lot of results and we are finding we like we you know the whole thing like water finds its level, right? Like <laughs> the way the earth works, like water just goes to where it needs to be and We've kind of found our level with this current side. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I think, Brandon, to your point, seven wins, seven draws, eight losses in the Premier League. You know, that's a that's a fairly decent sample size of, of results. And I think the, the point we brought up a couple of weeks ago before we went over to London was that we, by and large, played some of the easiest competition during this stretch. So I'm... You know, I know we'll look ahead here in a second, but <clears throat> I don't see us over overperforming where we are right now against City or Arsenal or any team in the top ten because we only have one win, and that was the team that just leapfrogged us in the tenth against that level. So, I mean, there's there's some serious concern, and I think, you know, for me anyway. It's it's been an exercise in patience that I don't think has necessarily been rewarded with 
linear progress, which I know is not always the sort of progress that you get, but I, I am struggling to see how it happens, I think, more than anything. So I'm like developing a lot of things as we talk about this because, I mean, I think yesterday is when I first started unpacking, you know, maybe how I, how do I feel about Grand Potter? What do I think? Because I've just, you know, always kind of shelved it and I was like, you know, we don't really need to worry about it right now. Like, let's go on this journey. Uh, I think he's lacking in leadership, you know, and and um, I think it's a fair call. The media have been on this from the beginning, asking him, do you get angry? Why, you know, do you hold people accountable? Are you cutthroat? Because the way I look at it, he's accepting mediocrity from some of these players. Look at the stats. He loves talking about the stats. He said it after this game. There's a lot of good things in the game, a lot of attacking play entries and a lot of shots. If you look at the stats, it was positive. Okay. Guess what else I looked at? The result. We looked at, we lost. And if Kai, Joao, Mudrik, whomever has that many shots week in, week out, and they don't score... Not good enough. But I think in his mind, it's in the pursuit of progress. No, we are doing enough. It'll just happen. As a leader, you have to hold people accountable. You have to hold the standard. And I, I'm worried that that standard's not there. I think he keeps putting his arm around people and saying, nope, we're doing the right thing. Keep it going. Keep it going. And you're like, it's not. Sometimes you have to take a drastic action to get a reaction. You have to do something to compel the people on the field to be better, to be greater. Because right now, he's just accepting them for this level. And I think that's the biggest frustration from a lot of his fans is the the level on the field is not good enough. I could care less if we had 30 shots, 28 shots, 27, whatever it is. I could care less if we had 18 in the box. Really, at the end of the day, all I care about is the result. How many people were complaining when Jose had two, three shots in a game and we won one nothing, and we played like uh, bastards? Some. People, Some, people but, still complain that the football wasn't fun to watch, but they didn't mind when we were celebrating with champagne at the end I'm of the season. I'm talking 0405. The first Mourinho. <laughs> the special one. You, you, you have to specify. I get Mourinho. it. And I just did. But I'm saying, going on an unbelievable unbeaten run, the best home record, the, the fewest goals ever conceded in the Premier League, those are things that like fans, you go to the pub and you talk shit to other people about because you can't touch that stuff. It, we're not seeing that. We're accepting a lot of mediocrity. You win, then you lose two. Then you win, you lose two. And it's this roller coaster of we're not seeing the linear progress that Nick talked about is what the concern is. Because if you identify problems in the team, but you don't fix them, that is not you doing your job. I would also say this. like it, it, He may be the most unlucky manager that we've ever had, right? From the way that the seasons panned out to the queen's death, to the world cup, to Arsenal having their best season in years, which is They're pulling a Lester. They're pulling a Lester. And, and all of this stuff around us, I think he has been incredibly unlucky, but uh, as we, as we learned uh, in, in Batman from, from our friend two face, right? You make your own luck. And we are not making our own luck right now at all. This team, I, I think as, as the match waned on yesterday, this, the players on this team were looking around to him for answers, right? Instead of having the built-in confidence that you get from repetition at doing something, 
to say, oh, no, I know exactly what we're doing. Let's keep pressing, right? This is where having one, I think just a, a system of plan and seeing progress is critical for players because that inspires confidence. And I think, two, it's where you need a really vocal captain on the field, too. And we don't have that in any capacity right now. And both those things are under Grand Potter's control. The the analogy that I've been thinking of or the is more like this this feels like the march to Mordor and trying to drop the one true ring. <laughs> yeah. Like but it it is it, it's a slog. It is tough. And like there is just no hope that this fellowship that has been put together like there is no one here that is ready to go the distance at the moment or is going to actually, uh, you know, beat Sauron and uh, win back the world for everybody. And and it's frustrating because it's a team with Reese James in it, right? It's a team with Mason Mount in it. Didn't play yesterday, but you get my point. It's a team with Thiago Silva in it, with uh, a captain uh, level talent that Kalidou Koulibaly should be displaying week to week. It's a team with Benjamin Chilwell in it. It's a team with uh, London is Blue podcast appearance, number one cap, Joao Felix in it. It's it's a, a team that on the surface looks like it should be running riot in this league because of all the immense talent that has been brought in. They just are not gelled at all. And yeah, you get 27 shots, Brandon. Yes, you, you know, the the stat the stat box looks great, right? You win on XG, you win games. No, you don't. In fact, there have been multiple times this year where we've won games and lost XG. <laughs> so I, I think I think that leads into some of his post match press conference quotes, which are part of the reason why people are so frustrated with him is because everything's been steady Eddie. Everything's been like, well, if you take a really calm approach to it, which is his personality. And I get that we're not going to change him as person, but cat did not read the room yesterday. Yeah. I mean, already touched on the, the, the stats side of it that he's, he's happy, you know, that, that, you know, we had a lot of shots actually look good. It's not good enough. Uh, he did talk about the fans and support as well. He says, I understand that when you lose at home, people will be frustrated, disappointed and angry. No one is happy with where we are in the league table. We have to work harder to improve that. Problem is, like, how? What does that mean? Talk about yeah. it. Like, show some emotion. Because when you say, hey, we're not happy about it, like, it doesn't really come across that you're not happy about it. It's an emotional game, and I can certainly understand the frustrations after home defeat. Again, like, blah. Blah. That gives me nothing. That, does, that doesn't provide any substance. That's not even the best PR line you could give. <laughs> like, do more is what we have to uh, he talked about the subs. There's really nothing of value in there. Um, I get he provides a little bit of transparency or thought, but like it does nothing. Like it, I even was talking with Ollie yesterday in our group chat. I was like, oh, I was like, I can't wait to, I want to hear his post match press conference. And Ollie was like, don't bother. He's not going to say anything. And the problem is it's so predictable. It's rinse and repeat, win, lose. It's the same thing over and over. Also, can I get a, just a raised hand for accountability in this? Like nowhere in these quotes is he saying, you know what? I, I fucked this up today. I set up the team wrong. I didn't do my job. Our team wasn't well prepared and that's on me. Like I know he said that in the past, but especially losing two nil to Villa at home, a team that you beat earlier in the season, by the way, like what, 
what the fuck, man? I think, yeah, he'd say, hey, it's my responsibility. It's on me. But to your point, he doesn't say, I made a mistake. I did this wrong. Like, this needs to be better. He'll just be like, nope, I get it. It's on me. Again, you're like, not good enough. Like, <laughs> give more. Um, hmm. I don't know. It's a bit frustrating, um, but we do have a little bit of time left to talk about maybe the future, kind of what might happen next. So we'll talk to the sponsors. Uh, we thank them for supporting the show when we get back. Um, what would, could we have could changed? We could talk to them about, well, about Chelsea's next sponsorship. You know, that's they, what we're going to do. They, have need, something, a kit, need a front kit sponsor they might have still, something so. <laughs> better to say. We'll see what they have to Shady say. Race. Come on. We'll be right back. Bet you didn't see this coming. Hope you're ready to hear editor Jake's voice for a while in the ads. <laughs> this time we're coming with Shady Rays. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and more. Shady Rays is a world-class sunglasses company, independently built, that'll have you thinking you're wearing some of the world's top brands that you already know with durable frames and extremely clear optics. Not only clear optics, but clear ethics as well, having donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Something that we have done at London's Blue Podcast. So, and if you're worried you won't like your pair, they will exchange it. They'll give you a new pair or you can return them for free within 30 days. And if you're worried you might break them, thanks to lost and broken replacements, you can get a replacement pair. No questions asked anytime. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out the best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code LONDONISBLUE, all one word, all caps, for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's right. London is blue, all caps, spelled just like the podcast. You know, the podcast you're listening to right now. You can see it in the title. All caps, one word, 50% off, two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try it out for yourself. The shade's rated five stars by over 200,000 people. Um, Potter, uh, just from from a 30,000 foot view, uh, just a reminder, Dan, Bully went all in on Potter. So not only did Potter come in with a coaching staff, he came in with Paul and Stanley, director of global talent and transfers. That's that's who, not who easily replaceable. You brought in was separate, by the way. Like we have to chunk Win Stanley off separately. He was brought in as a part of the big brain trust, but did come from Brighton. Like I understand what you're saying, but a conduit very much because of his working relationship with Potter. I mean, there's both. They liked and, him, but and his and his talent ID. Like he's a good professional. It's it's a link in the in the org chart. Uh, Kyle McCauley joined, right? Uh, they brought in Ben Roberts, a goalkeeping coach. Even though we had a full roster of goalkeeping coaches with Enrique Lario, and then obviously his three person back staff, uh, backroom staff. So that's normal. But they went data-driven, all-in. Matt and I have talked about this in the Matt and Brandon shows. You can't just replace him because they put so many of oh, his wait. guys around him. Tra trademarking your oh, name, are we? That's, really, yeah. that's fascinating. Yes. Okay. That's um, laying no. down the law with Matt hosted by Brandon. <laughs> they, they did give him everything he wanted, right? Like in terms of support, like you, you couldn't have lifted and shifted – personnel i think better than what we committed to when he first got here i think it's fair to say like it's if you remember when antonio conte came here first like he didn't get everyone on his staff that he wanted they wouldn't bring them all in in the previous administration so this yeah this administration said you know what round them all up let's bring them here 
just to make your point a little bit more vibrant for people. Like that is not something that happens all the time. It's a, it's a rarity. So I'm just saying. And so I, I think the, the thought, and this was kind of the framing for the episode is like, what happens next? Right. We talked about what happened in this match, which is the micro, but the macro is like, what actually can Chelsea do in this scenario? What could Todd and Igbali and the rest of the board of directors, what, what do they want to do? Because we've seen reports that essentially is backing, backing, backing. We haven't seen a club statement one, which is usually the the Fredo kiss in terms of the like, oh, full backing. Because usually after a full backing press statement, PDF is at some point in the future when they get terminated is basically the precursor to that. But I mean, I, I framed it as there are three things that can happen. Chelsea can ride it out to the end of the season because they've written off the majority of this. There's remove Potter from the role now and replace him with an interim option or remove him and replace him with a permanent option because some of the managers you may want in the summer, there is going to be manager turnover, right? You know, we know Ancelotti is most likely going to leave Real, so, like, that's going to be a very... like There's going to be a lot of attractive jobs. <laughs> so if you want to hire someone and replace them with a permanent option, you probably have to strike now-ish, between now and the end of the season, to get who you're going for. I think there's pros and cons, Brandon, to all of those, and maybe we should kind of just talk through a few of them. Well, I mean, look, I think the fans have decided what they want to see. I think option two or three. There's no ride it out with Potter. Ten games left, plus Champions League semifinals against Real Madrid. I don't think anybody at this point is really looking for that. You know, the 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 problem is what does Todd want to do? Um, what does Bedad want to do? Because they invested a lot in him. They they are we're only in the quarters of the, of the Champions League. By the oh, way. quarters. Sorry, the women are in the semis. I'm focused on yeah. them right now. Yeah, as you should be, frankly. Um, the quarters with Real Madrid. You know, do they make a change, uh, or have they really, really committed to like the first or second international break of next season? There's a lot of pain right now. There's a lot of frustration. Like, riding out to the end of the season, to, I think a lot of fans would show a lack of ambition, right? Jack shit's going to come from the league. What if you get bounced out by Real Madrid? Now you have absolutely nothing to play for at the end of the season. And the players, they're not going to risk themselves. And I think a lot of the players, this is where I'm not sure um, if Bully's thinking this way, and I'm, I probably are, but it's going to be such an ugly end to the season. Players are going to look at options that maybe weren't thinking about it prior to that. They're going to start to look around. You might lose a couple players you weren't ready for. And now you have to replace experienced veteran players. So I think that there's a lot of collateral damage, but it, it, it the interim is, is it'd be the way to get the fans on their side, Nick, without having to jump to a, a new decision. Because I think replacing him with like a potch and Nagelsmann, um, whomever is like a full-time replacement, I feel like the fans are going to want them to take their time and really think about it because if this was their guy and he was the perfect guy and it went this bad, we expect them to do a hell of a lot of due diligence before announcing the next person if they go that route. Yeah, so I, I, I'll just take option one as itself. I agree with your cons. I think uh, option option one pros is I think the ownership group are hoping that this magically turns around one because they want to save money. Um, they're going to have to pay a shit ton of money out if they do end up sacking him. And two, I think if he does turn it around, if there is consistent progress, which again, we're having trouble seeing here today on this here show, but if that does happen, 
they look like geniuses and are in pretty full control of the narrative moving forward. Now, again, I think the likelihood of that is is not great. And so I'll just kind of move on to option two. Uh, I don't I don't really love option two either, Dan, um, which is remove Potter from the role, replace him with the interim option. You know, you've thrown a couple of things out here, but like, I, does it does it help? I, I mean, we know that there can be an interim manager balance, but, you know, it, assuming you go out against Madrid, does that do anything for you realistically? Well, it, just real quick to your bad luck point, this whole Anthony Barry thing, like that's super unlucky for him too. And he's even thrown as a potential caretaker manager. And it seems like he wants to leave for Tuchel. Like it is like, I, it, I do accept it. This is like the worst unluckiest season uh, for Potter, but it's also what he accepted by coming in at this like un unstable time, Dan to the club. Um, but he has like, taken every kick he possibly could. So, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you lose kind of the long-standing internal guy to take over if he does get sacked. Yeah, it, it's a tough situation. I guess if you're looking for the pros in an interim option, you buy the time to actively evaluate and don't make the decisions on, of a permanent replacement under a, a very strict deadline. Because let, let's just, like, map it out time-wise. Like, if you wanted a new manager in to vie for what is likely the most important remaining parts of the season, like you want a new manager in by the end of next week. You want them in like it's it's too late to get a new manager in likely before Liverpool, but you want would want a new manager in before Real Madrid. So, you effectively would have this period of time this week to make a decision and you would imagine that at least feelers have been put out to say with some of those permanent replacement options of a Pochettino. Um, I mean, Zidane's available, but obviously that that's a, another option. Like, you know, like there, there are names out there. Uh, Emron from, from sporting club in Portugal. Like, you know, there's, there's names that would make sense. They all have their own pros and cons associated with them, but a interim option. The only thing that it gets you is you, you buy back some support. Cause you can say like, Hey, we've realized that this is not the path forward. We are going to move ahead and we're going to take the time to do due diligence and bring in the right manager who matches the project and redefine the project is to do these things. You know, what are we going to do next season? We're going to get back into being a top four club. We're going to win. Um, if we can get into a European spot, which is looking more and more difficult, we're going to win that competition. Uh, we're going to vie really hard to win against Real Madrid and go further in the Champions League. Like All these things that you could define as like what you want to go out and achieve, you can use this as a, a opportunity to reconnect with the supporters. And I think if you, the, the con of replacing him with a permanent option immediately is you you likely have not done as much due diligence to understand like who you're who you're getting. Well, I was to say for what it's worth, I know Ben Jacobs just did a spaces on Sunday. He said no change. Fabrizio is kind of a PR line, like they're gonna look at it internally, obviously. There doesn't seem to be any rumblings after the match, Nick. It seemed like everybody said, Nope, he'll be there for Liverpool. Um, but that doesn't mean the rest of the season. But at least in the meantime, the club are trying to not rattle any cages or kind of uh, make it even harder than it currently is. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think right now, like, un- unless you are convinced, and I mean convinced, that you are able to 
beat Madrid, beat either City or Bayern, and then beat Napoli in a final, which I'm, I'm advancing them to the final because I think they are the best team in Europe right now. The If you're convinced that you can beat three teams in a row in a knockout-style formula, you, I don't... I don't love replacing him with a permanent option right now either. Like there will be coaches on the market once the season ends as well. There will be coaches who have outperformed their contracts, maybe like an Amarim at, at sporting who would be a better option who you'd have better negotiation with than it would be when you're, when your chips are down and, and you're desperate, right? Like none of these options I think is the point that we're trying to make are fucking great. <laughs> One, you wish your current manager was outperforming his contract. You wish that you, you know, or you you could go an interim route, but there's no guarantee of success that way. And three, the third option is replacing him with a full other thing is admitting you fucked up and you're in a point of desperation. So your negotiation terms are really bad. Like each one of these things is a really tough position for Bully at Bali and, and Co to be in. And I don't envy them, but they have to make a choice soon and not making a choice is making a choice so yeah yeah i think that's a great shout and this is why it is so hard you know um the one thing that everybody top to bottom is unified on the results aren't good enough and potter needs to start being pragmatic and worry about the results and not about a project or the stats at a 100 needs to be about results so we'll see what they do uh, no Dan of the match, obviously, but it was 100% Chilwell. So, like, formality Confirmed. done. Uh, as we look around the table, uh, Newcastle just smacked United and jumped up to third place. So, uh, assuming that there's a goal scored in the Everton-Tottenham match, we would be the only team to not have a goal for us. Uh, well, I guess United didn't score, but... Um, Bournemouth, uh, Bournemouth 2, Fulham 1. Wolves... Forest 1-1, Brighton, Brentford 3-3. That. The match of the weekend, it was fantastic. It was punch for punch. Neither team so neither team was interested in defending. Uh, Crystal Palace nicked it at the end over Leicester 2-1, which uh, let Brendan get a payday and a mutual agreement. He left Leicester City. Uh, you know, he does have connections to Chelsea, just saying. Arsenal 4, Ooh. Leeds 1. The uh, They uh, continue to just run rampant, which sucks to see. Um, obviously, we lost. West Ham 1 over Southampton, Newcastle over United, and City uh, taking it to Liverpool for the early match. That was fun to wake up to. I appreciated that. And no Erling Holland. No, they, they looked better without him, question mark. I, Decent depth putting in a World Cup winner, Julian Alvarez. That's a, it's a real conundrum that team has. I'll be honest. Yeah. Like that's a you have a forty you have a forty goal striker who we could only dream of having in the team, but you look more fluid and better offensively without. Hey, him. They've got champagne problems. We've got Miller High Life problems. <laughs> yeah, the champagne of beers, though. To be fair, exactly. Yum. So again, levels to the game. Maybe new sponsor. <sighs> Come on, Tate. Table as it stands is just it's just ugly. Um, Arsenal first on seventy two, City second on sixty four, right? So now even City's losing ground is continuing to lose ground on Arsenal. Uh, those two teams, Arsenal with a plus forty three goal difference, Man City plus forty five. Again, I can't begin to like express how much Arsenal are overperforming this season in every facet of the game. 
They have almost double the amount of points that we have right now. So then it drops off a cliff. Newcastle moved up in third with a better goal difference over United. They're both on 50 points. Tottenham on 49 points in fifth. And Brighton, that's managerless Tottenham. By the way, no manager on the men's and women's and their director of football just got uh, booted for worldwide ban. It's a bit shit. Sucks to be them. Um, Brighton sixth, 43 points. So we're in 11th on 38 points. That's the thing, though. We're five points off of sixth. There still is something to play for in this season because it is the shittest season that we've seen in a long time. It it wouldn't take a lot to climb this table, but we are refusing to do it. Absolutely refusing to do it. Um, Crystal Palace below us, and then they're at 30. Wolves in 13th at 28. So 28 on down, it's a relegation battle on 28 points, which means we are, you know... 10 points away. From yeah, so we're clear, but like now the bottom is an absolute cluster. So we talk about the easy teams to play at the end of the season. They no longer become easy because these players are playing for their money. They're playing to stay in the top half of the Premier League, and it actually sucks to play them. So we'll see. Southampton at the bottom on 23. Leicester uh, 19th on 25, and Everton 18th and 26. Leeds on 26. Bournemouth, Forest, and West Ham all on 27 points. So... It's a weird season. My buddy texted me, said twelve. There have been twelve manager changes this season. Twenty teams in the yeah. league, and and Roy Hodgson is back managing in the Premier League again. Incredible. That's embarrassing for Crystal Palace. So uh, that just at least they won. That just goes to show you there have been that many changes. Obviously, we. I think are we resp- we're responsible for two technically. We sacked Tuchel and then we pulled uh, Potter from Brighton. So no, that's not a sacking. Well, I mean, no, another no, team we had to replace their manager. He he said twelve changes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, Could sorry. we be responsible yeah. for three, Nick? <laughs> I maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> it's very it's very hard to to predict what's going to happen. But I mean, I think that's probably where we wrap. It right? Is. is you know, this is bottom half of the league, Chelsea, and and look, being honest about it, we deserve this. This is where we deserve to be on balance. This is where the results have led to. You know, we have a minus one goal diff in the league. It's a fucking joke on that front. And the defending has somehow gotten worse, too. Like, I, until the team outperform where they are, Dan, this is where we deserve to be. I think we're, like, on the expected points table, like, since he came in. I think we're actually, like, third. So, like, just... A crazy, crazy run. Uh, hopefully this episode helped at least kind of talk through in a very calm way the day after what is a, a, a terrible thing to talk about, which is people losing their jobs and people not having the performance that, you know, you as a supporter would want to have. But, I mean, ultimately this is why we do what we do, because we love the club and we love talking about Chelsea and we – we, just like anybody else, want to see the team winning again because, you know, uh, you can't expect to win every game on the pitch when you walk out, Brandon, but you should at least expect to be competitive in every game and have something start to break your way. And that just 
doesn't seem to be where we are anymore. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the frustration is our players are far too good to be at this level in 11th place. Um, and the only thing we're clutching onto is the Champions League, which, again, even a struggling Real Madrid could easily smack us. So we'll, you know, we we have to come up with something in, in that. But if that goes away, then there's nothing. So, um, again, there's a few options. There's a bigger discussion to be had. Things that Potter's done well, hasn't done well. Things that the players need to be responsible for as well. But again, as captain of the ship, you kind of got to own certain parts of it. And um, I think we've addressed quite a few of the things that I think a lot of fans are frustrated with. So let us know what you think. Obviously, um, look, when Fabrizio Romano cited us, my Twitter mentions blew up over the Joao Felix interview. I think they were equally as blown up yesterday during the game. And when I did the YouTube live stream post-match, I've never seen a rolling chat. I felt like a real streamer, Dan. I mean, everybody had an opinion, had multiple opinions, like wanted to get their say in. And it was, it's just that moment, right? It seems like an inflection point for the club. Hopefully we at least challenge you to think about a couple different things. It's not black and white, is not as clean as I think a lot of people think. You fire Potter, there's a lot of decisions that kind of fall from that. So think about it. Let us know what you think. Best way, chat in our Discord. Uh, Join up through Patreon. Like and subscribe on YouTube. Brandon did a, a live stream, man. Yeah, he's, he's, this is before his hard hard left pivot into doing COD streams or Fortnite. Yeah. So just you, know, you got to get in while the getting. My good. Xbox is too old. I think I don't even know if I can play those and stream them. Turned it on and dust came <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah, that's not that's not where you, you want to blow be. on the game to get it to play. All right, all right, we're out. We'll be back. Ton more content this week per usual. Um, but uh, yeah, fine friends. Find other avenues of happiness because Chelsea aren't going to provide it right now. Uh, Liverpool on Tuesday. Friends. Liverpool on Tuesday. (laughs) We're back to friends. Go make some fucking friends, you idiots. Go find them. You have them. It's just uh, not going to be Chelsea this week. All right. We appreciate you all. Um, Yeah, I think that's enough from us. So until next time, Chelsea fans. Rummaging around your phone. I love these friends somewhere in here. Where the fuck are they? Find our Ted Lasso (laughs) episode. Dive deep into that. You'll love it. Pod under that. All right, Chelsea fans. Until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.